Welcome to the Yellow Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Juliet Marhofer Duggar. Today is a special episode with brilliant guests who share their own story of resilience for women to know if it has defined your soul, mind, and body, it matters, and we're going to talk about it. This is your life and your journey to wholeness. Through our conversation today, I hope you're inspired to laugh, unleash your creativity, win the war within your soul, and connect deeper with faith, yourself, and others to create a powerful life filled with wonder. When we tend to our soul, we can successfully build beautiful, meaningful relationships. We have so much to discuss. Let's get started. I have amazing guests with me today, Mark and Alicia Ornelas, that are out of Northern California. And Mark and I connected on Instagram, and then I was introduced to his amazing wife, Alicia, and we've been on a journey together, a soul care journey for the past eight months. And we were just visiting about an amazing business that Mark began with one of his girls, a plant business because they have green thumbs and Alicia, you bought the first plant. So you're responsible for the screenery. There were some <laughs> other things that went down between you two that happened during COVID <laughs> and we'll get to that in a minute, <laughs> a little bundle, something that was cooking in the oven, but we'll talk about that. So, um, okay. So Mark, so one of your girls started, you guys started your, your plant business together. And then, so that led her into wanting to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like me in, in that mm -hmm. she likes to create things, but uh, sometimes her new ideas distract her from the other ideas she had a moment ago. That happens to me all the time. Like I want to do something new. Let me try something different. Let me do this, do that. And yeah. It, it, it bothers my wife because I get messy around the house sometimes. So I've gotten better at that because another thing that happened during the pandemic <laughs> is I fell in love with home decor. So I look Who around knew? the house and I <laughs> so That inspires me to keep things a little tidy. <laughs> Alicia, um, your work here on earth is done, sister. You can pack up. <laughs> <laughs> We have him buying plants and redecorating. I mean, you know. And the best part is this year, he finally committed to becoming a minimalist. So this is, <laughs> a roll. Oh, I know. This is good. <laughs> I, I oh never my thought gosh. that would happen. Yeah, I've been getting rid of stuff and yeah, it's amazing. So so how does, how does the minimalism, how does that tie into the home decor? Because you're right? You're bringing, you're bringing new in and you're, you're canceling the old. So is this like a whole vibe that you're creating in your home? Yeah. Yeah. It actually, actually helps because I get inspiration from different people who, who I follow like on Instagram and I see their decor ideas. So having less actually helps with the decor because it's like you, you kind of got to be specific on what you're allowing I guess this could be a good analogy too, right? Yeah, be specific so, yeah. on what you're allowing in the house and it's going to improve everything when you do that. Mark's mm -hmm. getting inspiration. So he's, he's going to go off. I can't <laughs> go deep like that. I can, in, like, I can. Conversation, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I'm drowning. I didn't catch that. Between <laughs> <laughs> three of us were like, oh, oh this is so good. At least he's here. <laughs> He's here to keep us grounded and on track. Oh, that's so, good. Oh, so. Do you now do you follow the minimalists? Do you do you watch any? Have you watched their documentary or follow them? No, no, not at all. I just mm. I like to be clean. <laughs> so yeah. I was just so my thing has always been, do we really need that? Like, absolutely need that. Like, can we get rid of things? Can we keep it? For me, it was after the third child. I don't want to spend all my time cleaning and organizing. And so the less stuff we have, the less time I'm cleaning and the more time I'm like present with the kids and less stressed out. So, so that's how we really started to incorporate this this year. So good. So this will be Fess Up Friday. Are either one of you a pack rat? No, what's that? <laughs> this is your chance to out one another. <laughs> Okay, so who she, has who has more of the tendency? Does anybody hoard a little bit? 
Yeah, it was, Mark, why it, do you look guilty? Me. <laughs> I can see it, the look in his eyes like is she it's, talking it's, re- it's really hard for me because it's like things become sentimental very easily to me. Yes. Like, so I'll look at a thing. I'll be like, but that reminds me of this time or that moment or that memory. But her, not so much. She's like, stuff will be in the trash in a heartbeat. I'm like, babe, no. <laughs> I'm keeping that. Yeah. But <laughs> so it's for sure me. Oh, that's so good. The kids how to go in the trash to find things that I threw away. No. (laughs) When I clean. Yeah, it's pretty bad. (laughs) So you're you're managing, you're managing the horde, right? It's way to go, mom. That's good. No, I I actually uh I find so much joy in throwing things away. I know. (laughs) I do. I just they're, the kids are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you didn't, why, why are you getting rid of that? And I'm like, stop it. Just stop yeah. it. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Pretend like you didn't see me doing this. And you know, they're, they're like, wait, wasn't that, wait, is something missing? And I'm like, no, <laughs> we're good. Did you change it around again? And I'm like, yes. Cause I got rid of something. They're like, oh my God. <laughs> <Where'd they> go? <laughs> Oh my God, yeah. Oh, white walls, greenery, you know, the, the less the better. I heard actually a, um, an interview a few months ago and, uh, I'd love to give him credit. Maybe I'll come back and, and put it somewhere in the notes of my podcast, but there was a statement that he said, and it was, uh, do less obsess. And mm-hmm. I found that so powerful and so inviting. Mm-hmm. And the, the frame around that was, he was really, he was, uh, talking about and speaking to relationships and he was specifically speaking to relationships in business. Um, but we can transfer that to our interpersonal world and our intimate relationships, right. With those that are in our network of allies. And, and it was just interesting because when we focus on taking away the clutter, you know, decluttering our lives, uh, spirit, soul, body, right. Mind, will, emotions, yeah. we can really keep the main thing, the main thing. And I do find that it's, it's so freeing to do less and obsess over what really matters. And, and in our home, I mean, yeah. I, you know, we're having fun and, you know, when we look around at our environment, it really does speak to our soul, right. Yeah. Of, of keeping us grounded and, and creating an environment and a space for ourselves where we really truly feel that we can breathe. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I come from a long line of sentimentalist. <laughs> I could say it that way. Uh, my beautiful heroine in my story, my mother, she is the most sentimental person I know. And she's like, Oh, to this day, she'd probably go to the you know, to the salon with me and say, could I keep a lock of hair? No, you can't put it down. (laughs) No, you can't. (laughs) Yeah. Like when I say I come from that, that's, that's my root. So I fight it. I fight it. Yeah. I got to do less in the set. So is there anything that transpired in your world personally that took you into the new year that just in reflection that really prepared you for, you know, maybe you looked at 2022 and said, I want this to be different. Do you, as in reflection, is there something that happened that stuck with you to carry you into the new year? Yeah. Well, yeah. In 20, 2021, it was just, it was so much different because prior to prior to 2020, I was traveling a lot and I was doing a lot of, a lot of speaking, a lot of live events. And then obviously a lot of those were not happening anymore. So there was actually a shift as we entered 2021 into the way that I ministered. Mm-hmm. And that changed a lot because for a good while, and it, it, I still enjoy it too. I, I like going to live events and speaking and sharing there and seeing people there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt something God, God speak to me was, was it, it, he said, it's, it's good that you can minister in front of a crowd, but, but what about the one-on-one relationship that transformed your life? Mm-hmm. And that's really in 2021, how I ministered. The bulk of my ministry was doing that, was just spending time with the guys, talking to them over the phone, Zoom calls, um, getting together in person where possible 
And, uh, and yeah, it was just totally different. And I realized, wow, I don't need to be in front of a crowd. And it's funny because as an artist too, a performer, spoken word and, and a singer, it's kind of like when you're, you're younger, you dream of, oh, I want to be more popular. I want people to follow me. I want people to like my music or my, my art. Yet in 2021, it really changed for me. And I really just fell in love with just loving on people, just ministering to people. No crowd needed, no attention needed, just me and another brother. Mm. Yeah. So 2021, that's, that's, I think that was what's different. And now coming into this, this new year, actually just something recently happened. And of course, I'm going to let my wife talk too. I feel like I just have so many things going through my mind. So when I'm, oh, when that's I'm, good. We'll get, we'll give Alicia, we'll have the floor. We'll put her in the spotlight here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we know who your backbone is, brother. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. She go for it. Stuff, okay. So she started the whole restoration <laughs> process. Of course, we know God did, but she responded first. She started mm. the plants really. So yeah, she starts a lot of things. Um, <laughs> so going into this, this new year, actually just, three, maybe three days ago. Um, So in my journey, I've been learning to communicate better and to be honest, to no more the lying, no more the hiding. And within that, I've been learning to communicate what I feel, like to share, to speak up instead of hiding everything inside all the time. And God showed me that even, even while I was learning to do that, and still I am, I was forgetting to, to be thankful at the same time for what I already have. So in my desire to share what I feel or to not hide what I'm feeling, I would express frustration. I would express, uh, I would be irritable when it came to me sharing how I felt oftentimes. So God just hit me in the room and I was, I was playing my lo-fi chill beats and I just discovered there's worship lo-fi chill beats. I don't know if you've heard it, but it's like really smooth type of music. I love it. Oh, a little bit of hip hop in there. Later. I'll have to put that in the notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really cool. I'm down. I'm such so down. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just in my room playing that. And I just, I just felt broken before him as he just hit me with that truth that I have not been grateful. I, I have not been thankful. The way he's carried us through so many storms, even just recently. And I know we're going to talk more about that. And just all hit me at once. I'm like, wow, I have everything. And I texted my wife a picture of our family. I said, I have everything. And I, I really felt that in that moment because it was true. So I think for this year, it's really, it's really gratitude. And that's a whole other thing I, I help guys with too. Like gratitude can actually be a tool to help you overcome your addictions as well. Oh my goodness. I am just like enamored with that. That's You know, what is so brilliant about gratitude is that it shifts our perspective immediately. It's almost, you know, some, there's a process for, for our soul this in my own life, I can speak to that. I, I feel that it's gradual, right? It's like, it builds when I sit in a moment of gratitude, it, it feels instantaneous to me. It's, it's just it's an immediate shift. It's like that suddenly that that transpires and to be, to be grateful in that process, you, you also feel that honor come to the forefront Mm -hmm. for, for all that God has done and the mountains that he's helped us to scale and just the the steep cliffs, right? We've gotten to the edge so Mm -hmm. many times and it's his hand that just draws us back. Right. Mm -hmm. And to, to make that climb, to make that climb over and over in the, the gratitude journey and, and sitting with that, you know, Ann Voskamp, the author, Mm -hmm. she wrote the book 1000 gifts. And if you've ever journeyed into any part of that and, and you find very just phenomenal when you, when you research the history of how that came about, um, that book, it's, it's so moving and it's how it's, it's almost when we pause on gratitude, it's, we can prompt our soul and say, what all are we thankful for? What can we be grateful for? Well, my response to that is Juliet, how, how long do you have? 
because it can just go on. Yeah. Mm. Right. right. It's, it's right. almost endless. How can we ever, is there ever really a stopping point in terms of, in terms of gratitude and, and that mm. we're, that we're here, Mark, thank you so much True. for sharing yeah. that. So powerful. Alicia, how about you for, um, anything that you can pinpoint from 2021 and carrying you into this new mm. year? Is there a word or anything specific that transpired? Yeah. Um, so I, in 2021, I graduated with my bachelor's and that was a huge deal for me because I had put school on hold for a long time when I had my first child and just so I could be present and raise them. And then so going back to school was definitely hard with the, at that time, it was just the two girls. And I had made up in my mind that even though I was pregnant with a third, that I was definitely going to go into my career and I had a whole plan and I think God was just sitting there just laughing like, okay, yeah, think what you want. <laughs> and, um, that plan has been stalled quite a bit and I'm actually pretty grateful that it's been stalled and there are things that have transpired just in the past year and the baby ended up having some medical issues and I have to be home with her. Um, that's what's best for her right now. Just making sure she gets the care she needs and the attention and so I feel like this year, God's just telling me to, to be still, but in a way that it's like being present, being piggybacking on the gratefulness, um, but just enjoying this year with the baby and with my home. Um, so, yeah, I, I just feel like it's, there was a time, it, there was a season where God told me to be still. It was because I was trying to go a different direction. I was trying to move forward with a divorce and I didn't want to reconcile and that his be still meant something different in that season. And this season, I feel like it's just, just sit in it, just sit in the blessings, sit, sit in the love, sit in the peace with my home um, before starting my career. Mm, so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And both of you, you know, me having the privilege of spending more one-on-one -on -one time with Alicia, but Mark, you've been there with us through the whole journey and it's knowing both of you and how you have made the choice to fight that you, that you made the choice to both of you are warriors and that you suit up every day, you know, that you, that you chose to draw your sword, both of you individually and together as, as husband and wife, as partners. And you, you do that every day. Right. And knowing your story. And we're about to share that with the world again, mm -hmm. but knowing that both of you made the choice to fight because we can always opt out, but yeah. instead you came to the fight and you've, and you've continued to you, Alicia, choosing to be present and, and live your life with intention and, and going back to your story, right. With intention to recover those places that seemed permanently lost. And God said, no, let's, let's restore, let's redeem even to the point that, Hey, let's bring another child into the scene. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Um, and, and Mark, just that, like what you just said, the gratitude and how both of you just the unity and, and the beauty and just the ash heaps that both of you were staring at for so long and not knowing how that was all going to make sense. And, and God, um, God brought, brought all that together. Yeah. Let's just touch on briefly your, whatever you'd like to share of your background of spirituality, faith, uh, what, what both of you have come from, and then just tying that into your story and, and what you fought through your adult trauma and, and how that played a role into who you are today. Um, so I grew up with one parent who was a believer and one who was a believer, but not living as a believer. And um, so I, I actually fell in love with Jesus when I was a little girl and I absolutely adored him. And I would even leave a space in my bed thinking, here, Jesus, you can sleep right next to me. And like one time I rolled over and I was like, oh my gosh, Jesus, I'm so sorry if I 
rolled on you or something. I don't know. As a child, like my love for him was just so strong. I couldn't wait to go to Sunday school. He was my refuge. He was, um, he was as a child was everything to me when I would feel sad or I would cry. And, um, back then emotions weren't very tend tended to as a child. And so I remember that's what got me close to God. Cause I was like, you understand whatever I'm feeling and you collect my tears. And I think that was my foundation for, for life. Um, knowing that God is there, God understands, God loves, God cares. And so, um, for a period of time, I, I drifted away from him and I wanted to do what I wanted to do, especially in the beginning of college. And then I found my way back to him after figuring out it wasn't what I thought it would be. And um, that is how I met Mark um, in my, as I was like early twenties when I met him. Um, yeah, you, you can go. <laughs> Sounds good. She's like on that note. <laughs> yeah, <it's> your turn. <laughs> go too far. Yeah. So I grew up in a in a Christian home. My my dad uh, started. Well, my dad was like always involved in ministry for as long as I can remember. My parents uh, first they were co pastors at a church in downtown Sacramento, and then they started their own church from our living room when I was 13 years old. I remember when I was just, when I was seven years old, my mom actually led me in prayer to, to accept Christ. So I was just seven and we prayed together, mm-hmm. went to Sunday school. I'd, I don't remember us missing church on Sunday very often. So I, I had a pretty good, good foundation on, on the Bible and, and what the, what the scripture meant and you know God's plan for my life, I, I feel like I always had a, a vision for that and, and a passion to to discover and fulfill his, his plan for me. Even when I was like 10, 11 years old, and it's, it's kind of funny, and I tell people all the time that I'm naturally so introverted. And as a kid, even, I was even, I want to say worse, but I was like just so quiet and serious like all the time when I was a kid unless I was super comfortable, right, with pers- with someone, like my siblings, we yeah. crack jokes all day. Um, but I was so quiet and so shy, yet I would have, like, these, these uh, almost like these visions in my head. I will just be, in, like, in the restroom getting ready for the day, 10 years old, and I'll be, like, preaching to the mirror, right? I would act like I was on stage in front of crowds of people, and I would see myself in front of people and it almost didn't didn't make sense for this shy young boy who's timid, doesn't even like to interact with people, that I have these like dreams on my mind, like to minister to people, not knowing that I would minister the way that I am today. And so, yeah, that was, that was my Christian home upbringing. My dad pastored for like 20 years. And uh, I went to Bible college a couple of years when I was 19. And I never really, never really strayed from, from the faith. That's, that's for sure. Even with my struggles and everything, which I know we'll talk more about that. I always knew and believed that God was with me. Did anyone ever know about your moments with the mirror? (laughs) You know, I don't know because here's another one. I used to sing very loud in the shower but like an opera singer, right? Like, I love opera. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been standing outside your door saying, go honey. (laughs) (laughs) Actually funny story. My kids just knew that. And I said, Oh, I was, I was telling, I was sharing with my kids in the kitchen one day. I said, I said, Oh, I said, I hope the man that comes into my life one day that God brings me, he better want to go to the opera. And they were like, (laughs) what huh? and I, they were like did you say offer and I said yes and my oldest she said I never knew why did I never know this about you almost 23 years into our relationship and I didn't know that you wanted to go to the opera oh, <laughs> so for wow. Christmas she went to one of her local our local bookstore and she got me this amazing uh book about all the these opera singers and and then oh, bought me an opera cd and they got the car <laughs> that's cool they were like 
what do you have playing? <laughs> I said it's my awesome music. They're like, oh no. <laughs> Oh, so, Mark, I... we may have to have like another, you know, we may have to do something with this. I'll have Alicia stay outside the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> yes, you totally unleash the beast on that one. We're doing it. Oh, man. I, I have to say, I've, I've never, I've never met anyone who said they're a true fan of opera. That's, so that's kind of cool. It's neat. Uh, well, I just think it's fascinating that, you know, someone could hit that note. <laughs> oh, okay. So you don't know if anybody ever, ever was outside the door with your moments in the mirror. So, but it carried you through. Well, with the, with the opera singing, I, I know that I thought, I didn't know, I didn't realize anyone could hear me because I would have been too shy <laughs> if I knew that. So no one, at the time, no one ever told me, hey, Mark, I heard you singing it. No one ever said that. Right. Yeah, later on in life, they're like, yeah, we would hear you sing all the time. I'm like, what? So they heard me the whole time. I'm like, wow, okay. That's amazing. So they probably heard me preaching too. Alicia, <laughs> on that note, our, our relationship of the journey that you and I had together uh, through <laughs> coaching and soul care. And uh, let's, let's talk about your, your story and your adult trauma that you have, uh, gone through you and Mark both. And we'll, we'll touch on that with Mark. What do you feel like is your starting point that you'd like to share? Maybe just pertaining to the marriage aspect would probably be, probably be great. <laughs> okay. Um, I married him, him being a full believer and I was a full believer. So you have this, you go into it with this concept of what that's going to look like. And, um, I remember he had told me when we were dating, I had that he had a problem with pornography prior to meeting me. And I was like, okay, I, I honestly thought, well, don't most guys have that problem? Like, I don't know why you're sharing that with me. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't think anything of it. And he was just like, because of my background, like there have, there has to be uh, boundaries in our relationship as a couple um, because I would like to do it right with you. And I want to wait until we get married. And at that time, neither one of us were virgins. So it was like, but we were both believers. And so I already knew that, but he was really strict on like, no talking in code or no messing around. Like he was just very adamant about it. And so I respected that. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was actually very attractive at the time. And I didn't know how how big of a problem it was. And so now looking back, I can see why he brought it to my attention and why he was being very careful. Um, but fast forward a little bit, we started our family and um, I think everything is going great. And I had no idea that there was this secret problem going on just within my home. And so um, I would say it's, it was a bit traumatic. Um, individually, but also spiritually, because at that time I was super close with God. I was just like praying a lot every day and we'd go to church. We were very involved in ministry and I didn't see that coming. So there was a sense of trauma, um, in my relationship with God, even though God was the one who revealed it. Um, and there was damage, there was damage done to my walk with God and there was damage done to my home and damage done to our marriage, our connection. And I ended up finding out that it went beyond pornography and it, there was like adultery going on and I had no idea. And I was absolutely shattered. I remember thinking like my life flipped over like a pancake in literally an hour. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. We had, at the time, our daughters were two, and, no, three and one. It was really scary. And there was that side of me that, that did not want to work it out. And so I actually tried running the opposite way, thinking, well, I'm still really young. I can meet someone else and life will be okay. There was that relationship with God and not saying that God's going to call every couple to do this and every woman to take back someone with adultery. By no means do I mean that. Um, but for God, he showed me that, that he had a plan still for our family. And I didn't like that idea. And I just felt at the time, like, well, you had a plan to begin with, and I don't like the way that plan went. So I'm not going to listen to you right now. And 
I remember trying to run from it. So every time I would pray and have my time with God, he was just tugging that truth at my heart. Be still, be still. And I'm like, I don't want to hear you anymore. <laughs> like, I'm now no longer wanting to pray to you because I don't understand why you would want me to be still. Don't I matter? Um, don't my kids matter? Like, why would you want me to wait for change from this man? So I actually had made it up in my mind that I, once we get divorced, I would never date a Christian man ever again in my life. And I was just, I remember thinking, well, at least when you're with someone in the world, they'll, they'll show you them. They'll, they'll show you who they are. They're not going to hide behind scripture or, or whatnot. So as you can tell, there was a lot of trauma. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of things holding me back. And this beautiful heart that was just so innocent my younger self, like started to change Um, the way I perceived men in general, the way I perceived life, Christianity, um, ministry, it, it was dampened for a long time. And there was a lot of trauma. There was, as he had shared, we were in his um, parents' church. So when he came out about it, there was obviously that, that there was adultery. There was this instant need to cover up the sin and to do that was to, to shift the attention onto me as his wife, that I was the one messing up. So, and which was far from the truth. And we had to detach from that connection in our life if we were going to make the marriage work. So I remember saying, if we're going to work this out. And this, this, in the beginning, there was... There were, there was no talk of working anything out. Um, We were, we actually filed papers to start a divorce and I saved them for just to remember what God has brought us through. Yes. And um, we had got child support, like in order of like how much everything was going to be. And we were done. We were done. And I remember telling people, they would say like, you never know. And I'm like, no, I do know it's completely over and I'm okay with that. And even in that, though, that was what I wanted. And even in that, the Lord was still saying, be still. And it was a real fight between me and the Lord. And when Mark said he wanted to work things out, I'm like, well, that's great. Like, I'm glad you're going to get the help you need. And that's good for you and the girls. And I really want you to be involved in their life. At that time, I really wanted to move on with my life. Um, there's just a difference when there's secrets that are hidden and then it comes to light. It's scary. And I didn't want to live like that in fear of what could happen again. But ultimately God responded to my trauma with trust me. And I remember we, we actually, when you have something that significant happen in a marriage, you have to set yourself up with the right help it's, it's going to take more than prayer. It's going to take more than just an accountability partner from church. It's going to take a lot of work and a lot of professional help. And I remember that's what got us into um, professional therapy because I was like, well, I'm not going to get fooled again. So you're not going to be able to fool a therapist. So if you start lying again, they're going to catch you on it. They're going to call you out and I'm not going to get fooled. So that was a big reason why I wanted to go there if we were going to move past things, we had to be honest and real about what really happened. And so that ended up becoming Mark's ministry, which is like, it, it leaves me dumbfounded because at the time I couldn't see how God was going to bring anything good out of, out of that mess. And it made no sense to me at all. And then we get set up with all of these great resources to get help. And then I, we're healing as a couple. And then he's becoming passionate about helping other men, um, specifically Christian men who are in the church, who have this struggle, who are hiding it because they don't want to ruin their marriage. And that struggle builds over time. And the pornography go, pornography only takes you so far before you want to experience it in real life. And when you're married and you're a Christian, you'll hide these things like these chats with other women because you don't want to lose your place in the church in your ministry. You don't want to, in a sense, bring disgrace and 
there's a lot of hiding. And so Mark wanted to start helping men. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like it, when he started helping men, although it was, he felt great about it. I felt like you're making me relive everything over and over. Like, and I already am like really, to be quite honest, it is a, it was a very judgmental and like stained view of men. And I didn't, I didn't want him spending his time helping men who were hiding like the way he was hiding. So God had to take me on this journey about three years of us going to therapy um, every two weeks with a professional therapist. And Mark was like, it's like we switched roles. So Mark got the healing he needed. He became passionate and I was a shattered mess. I did not want to do ministry to help other couples get out of it because I felt like I was still stuck so much. And God took me down this journey. And about three years in, I couldn't get further in my healing and I had got stuck. And it ended up being because there was childhood trauma in my own life um, that I had blocked out for so long. And that actually that had contributed to why I viewed men the way I did. So when my husband, I found out that he did these things, it was just like, um, it just made me feel like I was right about men to begin with. And I, I kind of like sat in that for a while until I got full healing from my childhood, forgave what had happened in my childhood, worked through that through trauma therapy, which was phenomenal, extremely painful because I had to sit in what really happened and then go back to my memories that I had suppressed for so long. And Mark had to sit with me in that journey. And I think that's where our relationship started to rebuild because I had the, it was almost like I was this beautiful butterfly when he met me in the beginning of our marriage. I just like, nothing could get me down. I was just always so happy. And just that, that life was taken from me when that had happened and I became more cold. And I remember just telling him, you, you don't have to sit with me through this. You can leave. I don't mind if you leave because I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to being who I was seeing him sit through that and learn how to respond to me when I would go through my lows, because now I started, I ended up struggling with depression and anxiety, which I've never had had prior to this and going and getting paralyzed by fear at times and then being stuck in the past. Like that's what a trigger will do to you and not knowing how to come out of it just seeing his patience over and over. Like, I'm going to sit with you in this. I'm not going to, um, I'm in it for the long haul. And you were with me when I was really lost and you didn't give up. I felt like I did give up on him, but he feels like I didn't. And, um, but that- <laughs> he's like, woman, you don't even know. <laughs> we're here, aren't we? <laughs> we're, yeah, exactly. We're And Alicia, you're, and that, that is so true. Just to, to circle back to a couple of things that, that you said, I believe that are so, so critical in, in the, your, both of you for your journey is that this, you know, harrowing long road ahead of you that both of you were looking at either divorce or reconciliation. The reality is they're, they're both challenging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm it's, they both have their own set of, of difficulties either, either way. And we cannot make another person reconcile with us, right? That's their reconciliation takes two. And we can reconcile ourselves in those places within us to God and to ourselves, but ultimately when it's with another human being and nor do we want to, to, you know, bend their arm to make them want that we, we need to know as a healthy human being, as a healthy individual, that the other person wants that just as much as we do. And if they don't, if they don't, and they're doing it just because they think that that's what they should do somewhere down the line, there will be resentment Mm -hmm. somewhere down the line. There will be resentment because I did this because you wanted me to do it, not because I wanted to do it. And you know, what I learned through my own trauma therapy is that pornography is a, is a gateway drug. Mm-hmm. And so it's only a matter of time before what is in front of a, another person on the screen that, you know, the serotonin and the dopamine in our brain before long, it's, it takes more and more to get to that feeling. And so, 
you know, the, the reaching past the, what we see on the screen for that, that accessibility and that touch and tangible without any intimacy, right. Without any, any commitment whatsoever, you know, that the lie is that the, the, the person that is the addict is, is getting all of the satisfaction without the, the pathway to intimacy to the betrayed, whether it's male or female that to sit in the pain, to exercise the most powerful gift of empathy and to choose to sit in the pain with the other person and to know that you're the source of that pain carries healing and significance unlike any other. Because when we sit in the pain with the other person, we we're sitting there knowing that we caused this, but yet we choose to sit, we choose to see the trauma, we choose to to hold and to care and to extend compassion. And there's so many times when words aren't necessary. You know, many times we don't, we don't consider that the one that is, you know, that secrets make us sick and the one that is going through this and walking their journey of addiction, that you were also going through your own version of trauma as well, right? Alicia was walking her path and then, uh, and then you were walking, walking your own and you were seeking yeah. healing and, and reconciliation personally. So tell, tell me a little bit about your, your journey. Yeah. So first thing that, that comes to my mind is when we first sat in, in the pastor's office, he's, his, he's the current pastor that, that we're under right now at the church we go to. It's called Midtown Church in Sacramento. I started going there the beginning of our restoration I had never known, I had never really known another church other than my dad's church and the uh, sort of, uh, it, it was like its own denomination, churches everywhere connected to that. You know, he, his church fell under like a covering of a bunch of other churches, but that's all I really knew growing up. So for me to go to a different church, it was, it was hard, but I knew I, I just had to make a serious change because where I was at that time, it just wasn't helping me. And um, this probably applies to a lot of people, but I think it, I think everybody, I think everybody wants to grow up in some way. They just don't know how. And for me, I wanted to grow up. I just didn't know how. So there was so much inside of me that it needed to be unlocked. And it started in the pastor's office. And I remember just sitting there and just being opened. And I'm so such a private, quiet person which made me a good liar, unfortunately. So I would lie a lot. So for me to actually be honest in that pastor's office and to see him just respond with grace, it just, that shocked me. I didn't know what, what that was like. I didn't know what it was like to really just be honest and see that kind of response from someone. Because all I had learned, all I had known growing up and in my experience was that if I mess up, if I make a big mistake, I'm in trouble. Like no one's going to love me when I'm in trouble. That's the message that I sort of kept within me. Like no one's going to want to help me. I need to figure it out by myself. So that fed my cycle of addiction. So changed. it really started a, an amazing transformation journey when I saw the grace and love from this pastor, the fact that he didn't flinch at my flaws. And I was like, well, this is this is powerful. Like I could do more of this. Maybe I can talk. Maybe I can be honest. And as we were carrying on in our journey, we started going to therapy, counseling, which was life-changing for me. And again, I'd never done anything like that. I never even talked to anyone about my issues. And the more I went, I just started to enjoy it. And I tell my wife this all the time. I'd be going to therapy every day if I could. Absolutely. I <laughs> <laughs> it's fun for me now. Absolutely. <laughs> sit there let all your junk out you know someone helps you navigate through it and it's like it's refreshing yes so so we're going through that journey and I, there are just so many different elements of I feel that tools that God provided to help me to help me through this journey of recovery of learning how to support her in her healing but also finding the support that I need as well in my healing and so there was therapy, there was counseling. I got connected with a group of guys 
where I knew I could be safe there, say anything. And that was, that group was life-changing. I, I went there every Monday night, 45 minute commute one way. But I went there every Monday night, had my routine down. So I would get home from work so I could see my family for a little bit for like an hour. And then I would drive out 45 minutes away to get to this group every Monday. And I maybe missed two meetings, two or three meetings over the course of two years. I was so committed to that group. And that group is so life-changing. I, I, I love it. I, I wish I still talked to those guys. I need to find them now. <laughs> We're talking about Yeah, there <laughs> you go. So powerful. And the only reason I stopped going is because that's when God was transitioning me into helping others. And I, I was just, I had to cut back on something to be able to have the time. Um, so transitioning to ministering to others. But an, another thing I, I feel like I want to, want to share that really helped me in my recovery is, is I, I would have these consistent workouts. I would work out like every day. And that was a big part of my healing too. And I remember just feeling, cause I had to grieve over what I had done. I had to grieve over my, what I, the pain I caused my wife and my family and my workouts really helped me release a lot of that grief. I remember so many times just doing my push-ups at home or at the gym uh, on the treadmill or sitting in the sauna. I love the sauna. And I would just start to cry. And I, I would just, just be me. I felt like it was me and God. And I was releasing and I would just be talking to God like, Lord, I don't, I don't know how I got to that point. How did I do these things that I've done? And I'd just be apologizing. And I would just feel this sorrow, this grief. And this is just the beginning of my journey, the first year. So, and I would ask God questions and I would say, Lord, I don't even know this is going to work. I don't know if I'm going to wake up one day and just go back to my cycle and just all of a sudden binge on, on porn or just, you know, find someone who will give me attention. I hope I don't, you know, there's so much uncertainty and fear in me, but in those workouts, I felt like God used that time to just release the anxiety, release the fear, let the tears fall. Mm. and he would pick them up and he would carry me through. So powerful. Thank you both for sharing so much and so many intimate details. I mean, Mark, I can just, since you just wrapped up, that's exercise in and of itself is God-given therapy. I mean, I can remember the day that I hit, hit a trail that I call it. It was my trail of tears at first, and then it became my trail of healing. And it just, you know, for, for me, exercising became it was my mental health, you know, and just starting off just slowly walking and walking. And, and before long, I was like, I can't walk anymore. I got to run. You know, I, I, it was, it was a process, you know, for me of healing. And for me, it was a time of, there wasn't anyone, uh, inquiring or needing anything or demanding anything of me, mm -hmm. not even necessarily me feeling like I was in a space of demanding anything of myself, but just putting my yeah. earbuds in and just really, uh, you know, if anything, it was just reflecting and uh, just going back to what we talked about at the beginning is just gratitude, really just a time of, of thanking God. How did, there was definitely moments at the beginning of how the heck did I get here? <laughs> and then, you know, as time went on, how the heck did I get to heal in the way that I have healed and yeah. reflecting and just saying, God, thank you that, that I not only survived, but that you are helping me continue on a journey of wholeness and mm -hmm. the beauty in, in the story that both of, both of you have and how much emphasis. And I I'm, I'm with you that, that we can all put on, on therapy and coaching and counseling mm -hmm. and the support the the trauma that we, you know, that we go through as human beings uh, through our, our childhood and into our adult years. And that, that is the community. Those are our allies. Those are individuals that, that are around us and that we have I want listeners to know that there are people that, that are available to them that are there <laughs> in the wings, just waiting to support them and help them. And to, this isn't a journey that they do not have to do this alone, whatever it is that they're facing. Um, mm. whether they are the one that is suffering through the, the pain at the hands of someone else, or if they're the ones that are, uh, that are causing it, they feel like they're the source of it. 
that regardless that there, there is support that every human being needs. And Mark, just going into when you said you felt that grace from your, from your pastor. And I think it's really important that grace and forgiveness isn't pretending that it didn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. That, that what happened happened. And, and I, I also want to say just for our, our listeners as well, that, um, it's, it's difficult to, to discuss family dynamics when we're going mm-hmm. through, uh, what, what you, both of you have gone through at the same time, it's, it would be an injustice to deny that, that those challenges exist. And so navigating that, and I know both of you have, have navigated that with honor in your relationships with your family, but being able to identify it is not, uh, dishonoring or disrespecting or, you know, throwing someone under the bus. It's, it's really, confronting those places in our story. And then, and our relationships, our familial relationships will be healthier because of that. A uh, conversation that the three of us had, you needed to know if there was someone who could walk with you. Oh, I could walk with you. Yeah. There. I remember we, the church we go to is actually a pretty big church. And I had a good relationship with the pastors and his family. Um, that's the church I was from prior to meeting Mark. So when we got married, I went to his parents' church and then we went back to, we went to my church. And, um, afterwards I had asked him as I was, I was just bawling my eyes out in his office. And I said, is there anyone else who's been through this and made it out? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, of course, like there are. And I said, who? And he said, I can't give you any names. And I remember thinking, I feel so alone. I wish people who have gone through adultery and who have made it out, I wish they would tell their story because I really need someone who can tell me that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I remember saying, no, sorry, God used that, what I felt in that moment to later propel me into helping women by saying, I will be that for other women. And it is embarrassing putting your story out there. That's not very common. Um, And then people know and people talk and people think. But I remember God took me to this place in my healing around almost year five. So in between four and five, where he he reminded me that there are women who need to know that they're not alone. And if we can help one family save their marriage from infidelity and that then that's everything to me, even if it was just one family, because I seen how much it affected our kids. And it no longer mattered to me what people thought. I cared more about helping someone else. And so just being that voice to others. Um, So being that for other women. So when he speak, he would speak at other places, I would go and I would speak and I would just let women know I'm here for them. There was some backlash I would get though. There were, I remember we were speaking in Hawaii and like one woman came up to me after like, I don't think you should have taken him back. And I, would you tell your daughter to take someone back like that? And I, I was like really caught off guard. Um, but then I, I said, <laughs> it depends if they're getting the help that they need because doesn't everybody struggle with something? Mm. And I think what sets people apart, if they're going to make it or not, is if they're going to get the help that they need. Because yes, mine was adultery in this marriage. That was a huge hit. And then depression and anxiety was also another hit that I have added into this. Um, But others have anger. There's abuse. There's physical abuse, emotional abuse. There's jealousy. We don't have those things in our home. We don't have that in our marriage. So no matter where you go, there are going to be problems. So good. (laughs) Our choices and our decisions that, that we place that, that scarlet letter, you know, Mm -hmm. is, is that initial imprint of that on our lives, what really keeps it there and seems to, to etch it into our soul is shame to the soul of another human being. Uh, We are dismantling that scarlet letter little mm-hmm. by little, right. That the love and the empathy and the compassion and understanding. And it's, and it, you're so right, Alicia, it is about, you know, it's, it's looking at when you look at the journey of another person, 
it's that when, when we, when we take a long look down the corridor of their, of their heart and their soul and their life, we can see that addictive behavior versus the recovery behavior and recovery behavior is the sorrow is Mm. I want to change. And so many times, so many times we do want to be exposed as, as crazy as that sounds. And, and the exposure brings relief. It's just how we get there. Right. Because the shame encroaching the thought around that is, is so daunting and overwhelming for us as human beings is if they, if they really only knew, right. If they, if they only knew what I was really like. Mm -hmm. And so we just continue that perpetual cycle over and over the toxicity. Right. And so Mm -hmm. Mark's like, I'm going to let it all hang out. (laughs) I am free. free. And I know what, I know what freedom feels like, and you know what it doesn't feel like. And so when you and I met those, Mm -hmm. there were still triggers that were, that were happening and you continue to work through your, your soul care. Um, Can you, can you speak to that for just a moment of, what you felt like was the tipping point for you in, in not wanting to live a life of managing those triggers, but truly being whole. So I knew when I was um, detaching or shutting down or using the fire flight, I knew how to identify those things. I knew how to communicate them already with Mark and Mark knew how to respond. Um, given the prior therapy we had attended the thing that was holding me back that you helped propel me forward was allowing myself to, to express my fears. Um, say for example, if I was to share my story, what would that mean for our marriage? Because I know that the enemy is real. And I always felt like I'm not going to be strong enough when we start getting hit really hard because we did a conference and then we're fighting because all these, the enemy just works in a different way and he knows how to work in our home and our marriage and like just getting us back to the cycle of fear. For me, it's fear, like a paralyzing fear where I, I get scared to love deeply because I don't want to get hurt where I can share without feeling afraid of, um, just, just, just being able to be vulnerable with you. And that was healing to me. And, um, that's how you taught me how to nurture my soul. And as you nurture your soul, then no matter what happens, then, you know, you're going to be okay. There's so much more I could say. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just the, what I, what I recall that I, I can, I can reflect back into some of the beginning stages of our, our journey together. And, and I would say that the fear was definitely Mm -hmm. pronounced and Mm -hmm. that, you adapted the, uh, mantra in your life of it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, that, that the, it, we, we gave a voice to that for you to say, this doesn't make me feel okay. Mm-hmm. And for you yeah. to know that you could step back. Right. And you could, you could take some time and being able to be vulnerable with Mark and to have those conversations. And, and it, it opened up those lines of communication for, for both of you and that it's, and I'm nutshelling this, but it was, it was almost you to, to Mark in those, those moments, what were, it looked like, I'm not saying no, I'm just saying not right now. It's okay to, to push pause and that, that each of you in this journey, and, and it'll be a lifelong process Mm -hmm. that, we, we buy into this idea that if we still have questions, we're not whole. Mm-hmm. If we push pause, we're not whole. If, if we take a step back, we're not whole. And that's so far from the reality of where God wants us to live. Yeah. Because so- there's this beautiful future that both of you yeah. have stepped into and the, you know, both of you, the, the network of allies and the support that you have intentionally surrounded yourself with, because it's not like we go, Oh, we're good. We're healed. We don't, we don't need any more community or therapy or help. Like you said, Mark, if I could do therapy every single day, right. It's like, how do we fit that in? (laughs) But it is keeping your, would both of you agree that 
tending to your soul, being intentional, renewing your mind is how your life transforms. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I still need, I still need the tools that I, I learned in the beginning. I still need to be honest. I still need to connect with others. Um, I still need to have conversations. And I, I found that when, when I'm not, if I have not been connecting with, if I haven't been connecting with, 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 with God, and there's different ways that we can connect with him. Of course, there's worship, there's prayer, uh, even corporate worship. Uh, there's, there's just so many ways for me. Sometimes it's a, or it, in the beginning of my recovery, it was, it was a walk going on a prayer walk, getting outside. But um, when I'm not connecting with him, I get discouraged easily. And when she does have those questions, when she, she questions and I go to defense mode quicker. Mm. And instead of, instead of knowing and remembering that I'm a son, that God is with me in that very moment. Yes. I go to getting defensive. But when I do remember, and some, there have been times that I've, I've done this actually, and I've, and I feel like I want to get defensive because she's asking me these questions, whether it be about my past or be about, am I doing this or that? Am I hiding things? Um, when I want to get defensive, that I'll just I'll envision, and I need to do this more. So I'm telling you this in hopes that I'll do it more. Yeah, <laughs> here we go. Let's I'll, go. <laughs> but the times that I've done this, it's it's just been powerful. I, I, I'll sit, and then she'll be speaking, and I'll just imagine God sitting next to me, mm. and He has His arm around me, and He has me, letting mm. me know, "Hey, I got you. I'm here. Mm. Don't need to get defensive. You're safe." <laughs> and when I can be confident in that, I can respond to her in the way that she needs with grace and with oh, Mark. And understanding. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. And I, I. I believe too, alongside envisioning and, and God's arm wrapping around us is that we take that next step and we wrap our arm around ourselves because it is, it is God ourselves and others. It's that, it's that holy trifecta, right. Of we, we know like the golden rule, you know, love your neighbor as yourself and, and relating that to relating that to soul care. And then thinking about in the scriptures, it says that, Hey, I want you to prosper and, and be well. And the latter part of that is even as your soul is well. And it's that knowing that does everything in our life rise and fall on the condition of our soul, yeah. and, right? Going back to that place and, and the, you know, with, in terms of soul care is, tending to those parts of us that, that we, that we can, can get caught up and so easily let go of. It's so, it's so valuable and so critical what you just said, Mark, that there's, there's principles and there are modalities that you did at the beginning that you're still using today. They may just look different, right? That you've emotionally and spiritually healed and matured in, in those areas of your life but that those are in your arsenal. They're always there for both of you. Those tools are always there. You guys are so freaking amazing and brilliant. And I just love you. <laughs> I could talk to you forever. forever. <laughs> I, I think I get so overjoyed knowing the, the lives that are going to be changed mm -hmm. and stories that will be rewritten mm -hmm. and new stories that will be told because of both of you and because of your intention to, to love well and to love deep and to sit in the pain with each other and mm -hmm. to revisit places in your story with me today. And I want our listeners to know how they can follow both of you and tell us what you do. So our listeners know where to find you both. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of years ago, I started a ministry called Offline, and it's uh, it's offlineinc.org is the website, offlineinc.org. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you Thank for investing. You, yes. Uh, Thank you for investing in us today with your words and speaking life and, and really bringing hope and encouragement 
and healing to so many. You've just, mm -hmm. you've touched my heart today. So thank you both. Oh, and I think we need to have, Hey, you know, we're down with the offer mark. So 2.0, another, <laughs> another, another podcast. Yeah. So so yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys, thank you again. Have an awesome day. All right. Signing off. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into Yellow Soul today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did and you feel refreshed, inspired, and empowered to share your story of resilience with others. Make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when new episodes are released. I absolutely adore reading your reviews and seeing how this podcast is empowering your life. So if you haven't yet, it would mean the world to me for you to write one. It reminds me that we are all here for the greater good. And please share with me topics that you would like to hear more about. Also, I would love to hear from you on Instagram. You can find me at Juliet Marhofer Duggar, where I have so much fun posting your reviews to stir up hope in another soul. Thanks again for holding space for this conversation today and sharing it with your girlfriends. Together, we are inspiring others to begin their own yellow soul dialogue. Cheers, friend. I cannot wait to chat again soon.